Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. I am not going to use the Borg phrase about being assimilated or something like that in considering Christian Chroma's vision of a utopian future where we get control of technology because he sees it in a nice way. Good things are going to happen to us. It was certainly a different direction for the show. I think all of our people really like thinking about the future. When we get talking about things like UFOs and we try to wonder what the technology is behind them and we think about space and space exploration and that's typically right in line with all of the people who are interested in, in the kind of stuff that we talk about on the show. And so that's why I was saying we got to get this guy on because I know that our audience would really love him actually, really like to hear what he had to say. I mean, at times he sounded like a prophet. This is the guy that healed his daughter with light and then had visions about patterns in nature that he believed would lead to the salvation of humanity. You know, So uh, I think he fit right in. That is certainly the paranormal aspect. And his daughter is safe, is apparently doing very well. Yeah, well, healing with light is something that ETs do very regularly. In my book, uh, The Healing Power of UFOs, that's their main method for healing people. So I'm not surprised to hear that. I mean, we're using light for healing more and more in modern medicine. Of course, we have Preston Dennett, who's our guest this week. His book is Schoolyard, UFO Encounters. And by the way, he'll be a featured speaker at the UFOCon 2020, February 20th to 23rd near San Francisco. Okay, guys, might be fun. I've been to San Francisco in a long, long, long time. And I'm not going to have flowers in my hair. Nobody uh, under 50 knows what that means. Seriously speaking, Preston, what made you look towards this unique type of sighting? Wasn't looking for it, that's for sure. I got involved in this field in 1986. I was very skeptical, did not believe it for a second. Uh, heard a report on the news about a sighting over Alaska. It's a very famous sighting, actually. Mid-November 1986. And I thought, this pilot is out of his mind. <laughs> he's lying. He's, you know, hoaxing. He's misperceiving. I don't know, but it just couldn't be a UFO. Uh, and was interested enough to start asking, you know, people in my family, my friends. And I got a real shock, found out my brother had seen a UFO, uh, chased one in his car with his two friends. My sister-in-law had a sighting over Van Nuys Air Force Re- Reserve Base here in California. First humanoid case I ever got, actually. And it was a gray ET, two gray ETs, uh, which weren't popular in the media at this time. Very few people were talking about this sort of thing. She had certainly never read any books on this, and she's describing these typical gray-type ETs. Large, dark eyes, huge bald heads, hairless. They were standing in front of Stag Street Elementary School. Now, she was a college student at the time. This was late at night uh, in the, I believe, late 1970s. Yeah, so this would have been like before communion, with Stryber and all the big face, you know, alien, gray alien faces everywhere, right? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. There were a few books out. I mean, Tra- Travis Walton's book was out, Betty and Barney Hill, Betty Andreessen, but 
you know, that was about it, really. Yeah, that's still pretty obscure back then. Okay, so uh, school, college. Yeah, I mean, I was startling enough to hear her saying that she saw these gray ETs, which by that point, I knew what they were. She didn't. She's describing this thing. And I was kind of like, wow, I knew what she was going to say. Equally startling was where they were, which was right, you know, in a place you'd least expect, right in front of an elementary school. Now, she was the only one who saw them. And this was late at night. So I didn't really think that much of it. Uh, but this sort of thing, you know, as the years went on, and I started investigating more. I run across these types of cases. There was one gentleman I interviewed, Mike Evans. He was a participant in the Coronado Island UFO incident in March 1994. It was kind of a mass abduction. And he was one of the guys who was taken. And he described as a kid having a visitation on the playground at an elementary school in Hawthorne, California. He had missing time. Didn't remember what happened, but uh, kind of woke up and had this scoop mark or this cut on his leg. So this is how I kind of got introduced to it and didn't really connect the dots until I started hearing, you know, some of the more famous cases like the Rua Zimbabwe case in 1994, where a UFO landed on the playground. 60 some children saw it. A smaller number of children saw humanoids as well. And uh, that was a big case, certainly. I knew of another case in Australia, the Westall High School case. That was in 1966, April. And uh, that involved like 300 students who saw multiple UFOs, at least one of which had landed, perhaps two or even three. Uh, a lot of people saw this. A bunch of kids ran up to this landed UFO. It had actually made landing traces. A huge case. Uh, and so I started to look into it, and I found out there were a few more famous cases. There was the Hillsdale, Michigan case. Uh, that was a college in Michigan, and this involved 87-some students, as well as school officials and police, for that matter, who observed a UFO hovering in front of the college, and it actually landed at one point. Uh, this was, gosh, two weeks before the Westall High School case, by coincidence. And uh, there was another real famous case in Wales, the Broadhaven Elementary School case. Uh, you guys have probably heard of these. There was like 12 or 15 students, all real young kids who saw a silver kind of football-shaped object land right next to their school. And out comes this humanoid and approaches them pretty closely, actually, scared the daylights out of them. They ran back, tried to alert the teachers. The teachers didn't believe them. And didn't look until it was too late. The object was gone at that point. So that's kind of what got me started looking into it. Well, that's why we love having you on, Preston, because you're always this sort of cheerful refresher course in cool UFO sightings. Like, yeah, you know, the people like us that listen to the show, yeah, we might have run across these in the past, but I absolutely love hearing about them again because they're important enough to say once in a while, for, especially for people who don't know the cases. And, and I'm really, I couldn't tell you what happened with all of them. I know about the Ruha Zimbabwe case pretty well. I think John Mack was in on that, right? Yeah, that's the ultimate case of this kind. But was, what was so shocking about this when I started looking into it, I thought, you know, this, could, this might make an interesting article or something. And uh, I thought I'd find a few cases because 
you know, you always do when you dig deep. But I found more, way more than a few. You know, I found well over 100 cases of these objects hovering over schools. And mind you, this is not like a random flyby where you see an object way high up there and it just keeps on going. In these cases, these objects are specifically targeting schools. They're coming in usually during the daytime, which I think is an important distinction because most sightings are at night, not with schoolyard cases. They come when the children are at recess, which I find another strange coincidence about that because, boy, that turns up a lot. Typically, very low level. I'm going to say, gosh, a thousand feet would be high on the higher end. These objects come to within 300 feet, 200, 150 feet, even lower, 20 feet, 10 feet. It's shocking. But of the 100 cases, about 30% involve humanoids or landings or missing time or a very close encounter. Well, evidently, whatever is behind the UFOs definitely gets started with our school kids. We've got more to come here. The book is Schoolyard UFO Encounters. Preston Dennett is the author. And we've got a lot more ground to cover. By the way, I should mention my son Grayson is a teacher. We'll get into more of the implications of that, if any. With Gene and Randall, you're in The Paracast. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items and entails T-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast jumbo tote bag, all sorts of T-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store.theparacast.com, stop by, and take a shopping tour. Hey, Bugsy, you hear the news about Vinny? Yeah, it's a real shame he owed money to the IRS and they finally cut up with him. Just like Al Capone. If the IRS can get the Capone, imagine what they can do to little old Vinny, huh? Poor cat, he was on top of the world, that bada-boom, bada-bing. What Vinny needs now is an offer he can't refuse. Hey, you got a tax problem? Does the IRS claim you owe them a bunch of dough? They can get you too. So call the tax relief line now and learn if you qualify to negotiate your $10,000 plus IRS tax debt for up to a 75% savings. Don't be like Al or Vinny and get busted. Make this free call now. Learn how you may be able to pay the IRS less. Call now. 800-590-4930. 800 590 4930. 800 590 4930. That's 800 590 4930. 
complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp-made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. If you owe money to the IRS, you need to hear this. The IRS is cracking down on those who owe back taxes. It starts with a devastating letter. And if you don't act immediately, you could find yourself having your wages garnished or have a lien placed on your property. But there's a solution. Tax 10,000 can help. Avoid enforced compliance, where these holds on your income and seizure of your home could become a nightmare that just won't end. Call 800-239-9957 now and speak to one of our experts. 800-239-9957 is the number to link you directly to a tax resolution specialist who will negotiate with the IRS on your behalf. Working through the IRS Fresh Start program, all the forms will be handled for you. All you have to do is make the toll-free call. 800-239-9957. Find out if you qualify and possibly save yourself thousands of dollars, not to mention a lot of headaches. It could be the best call you've made today. That number again, 800-239-9957. The service does not provide tax settlement or legal services. We will refer you to a company that does provide such services. Often the IRS will not agree to any reduction in the amount owed. Not all taxpayers who owe more than $10,000 will qualify for a tax reduction program. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I started fighting the IRS over 40 years ago when they tried to seize my mother's house. I sued the IRS and won. I beat the IRS then, and I've been beating them ever since. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I've helped thousands of people deal with tax problems they thought might never be solved. I can help you too. If you owe taxes you can't pay, don't wait another day. There's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Suppressant Dennett, who has collected zillions of UFO sightings, is talking to us about the schoolyard UFO encounters. And I mentioned parenthetically before that my son Grayson is a teacher. He teaches students in Spain how to speak English in Madrid, Spain. Now, these are middle school and high school students mostly. And I kind of wonder here, knowing this, whether he's going to be a little bit more careful about what he does. This is obviously, Preston, a worldwide phenomenon. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's cases really all over the world. I already mentioned Australia and Wales, but England, certainly, France, Spain. There's a case, I believe, Brazil, Venezuela, all over the world, all across the United States, Canada. So, yeah, it's absolutely a worldwide phenomena and stretches back. Well, the earliest case I found was 1853, and that was, let's see, Burrett College. This is in Tennessee. This involved your tip. It's the typical sighting. They follow the same pattern. In that case, these objects were seen for about a half an hour. Schoolyard cases are not brief. The typical sighting is very quick. Schoolyard cases, they last, gosh, minimum of five minutes, usually a half hour, hours, or even over a period of days. And that was true in this uh, Burrett College case. These uh, two objects hovered pretty high up there over the school. For 
a half hour and put on what amounts to a display, kind of flashing and changing sizes and darting around and changing shape. And I'm doing all these kind of weird maneuvers, which in my mind, you know, having gone over so many of these types of cases, they're doing some kind of publicity stunt, announcing their presence, wanting to be seen. I mean, I just can't get past that. Yeah, that seems to make perfect sense. And it's always on their terms. You, know, you notice that. And what you said about them showing up when the kids are at recess or on their way to school sometimes or on their way home, always like when they're let out of school. You don't hear too many cases where, well, I guess if they're sitting in school, they wouldn't see it anyway. Maybe there's one there, but nobody saw it because everybody's indoors. But does it seem a little more than coincidental to you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, seeing a UFO from indoors is extremely rare. We don't have a lot of cases like that. But with schoolyard cases, yeah, there is, a, you know, at least 10 exactly like that, where kids are in their class, just kind of dozing or whatever, trying to get through it. And they look out the window and there's a UFO hovering 100 feet away for five, 10 minutes. And the whole class is jumping up and down. And sometimes the teachers see it. Sometimes the object moves quickly away before the teacher can look. But there's at least 10 cases exactly like that, which is amazing. Just kind of reinforces what I think the ET's agenda is in these types of cases, which is, you know, announcing the presence saying, we are here. Yeah, you mentioned something earlier, get them while they're young. Well, I, I analyze these cases because these take place, of course, to elementary schools, uh, middle schools, junior high, high schools, and colleges. But half of the cases involve elementary schools, age kids, elementary schools. It's not unusual, Preston, for UFOs to be seen by younger people. I know a lot of people, of course, Randall, myself, who got interested in the subject quite early on. Now, in my case, it was age 11 reading a UFO book. I didn't see something. But certainly, the subject does appeal to younger people. There used to be, I don't think there is anymore, a teen ufology movement back in the 60s. And of course, all of us grew up. And you don't hear about that nowadays. You don't hear about as many people, younger people, getting completely involved in this or they're doing it in ways that we don't understand. Anyway, question I would have here is, and we can't assume motives of whatever this force behind the UFOs are, but why even announce themselves to kids? Unless it has a lasting impact on their lives, what difference would it make compared to being seen before adults? Right. Well, it's interesting because that's the very strong theme that comes through in these accounts is the children will say years and years later, and we're talking, you know, 10, 20, 30, even 40 years later, their childhood sighting there on the playground uh, was something they think about virtually every day, profoundly affected their worldview and completely changed their minds about what's out there and what's possible in this universe. You know, people said, well, you know, kids, they're imaginative. You know, how can you call them good witnesses when they invent invisible playmates and they have a blurred sense of, reality what's real and what's fantasy and so on but you could put that the other way on the other hand children are not prejudiced about the subject they have no beliefs for or against it their minds are unpolluted by all these various ideas about what ufos might be and this is something certainly that turns up in a lot of the early cases 
they had never even heard of UFOs and had no idea what they were looking at and basically just reported what they saw. I think that they're ideal witnesses in many ways. And for people who say, oh, no, kids are fantasizing, you can't trust them. Well, half these cases involve teachers, and teachers are typically more educated than the average person. So any kind of arguments that this is fantasies made up by children just doesn't hold water. You know what occurs to me, Preston, as you talk about that with regard to the UFO phenomenon? And I'm trying to just place this point together. UFOs may actually not even care about the age. It just happens they were in the right place at the right time. If the teachers were outside at that time and the students were inside, the UFO would still be there. Or do you hear the tree falling in the forest when nobody's there to hear it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's certainly possible that there's UFOs hovering on the school that you know people inside aren't seeing. There are cases like that. There was the case in 1966 at Beverly High School. This is in, I believe it's Massachusetts. Um, I might have to correct myself on that, but it's a case from Ray Fowler and involved a young girl. She was in her home, which is next to Beverly High School. She looks out her window. She lives on the second story and sees what she first thought was a car driving down the street. This is at night, but it wasn't a car. It was a football-shaped silver object hovering about 10 feet above the road. It had no windows or anything. It had weird lights on it. It was clearly not normal. She tears down the stairs and screams at her parents, there's a UFO outside. They didn't believe her, but she would not be put aside. And finally, her mom and her mom's two friends go outside to look for this thing. And she's like, it was heading towards the school. It was heading to, as looking like it was going to land. So they go towards the school, which is, you know, right there. It's a block away. And they get to the edge of the school and they're looking over the field there. And sure enough, there's three objects. One of them's hovering very low over the school. And at, the t at this time, there is a basketball game going on inside Beverly High School. None of those guys ever saw these objects, which were hovering there for a good five minutes. One of the ladies, there's three ladies there looking at this. We'll have more about that sighting and more on Schoolyard UFO Encounters with Preston Dennett and Gina and Randall, you're in The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Most of you know that heart disease is the number one silent killer in the U.S. What if I told you for just $54.95 a month you could fight against heart disease naturally? At Heart and Body Extract, we've been helping thousands of people get back to a healthier heart. Don't just take my word for it. Check out all of the success stories at hbextract.com. Or to order, call 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. hbextract.com. Don't risk it when you can take charge of it. Fellow patriots, my name is Todd Savage, founder of BlackRifleRealEstate.com. Like you, I was a prisoner of the alt-left sanctuary state until one day I chose to lead my family to freedom. Today we live on a sustainable 20-acre homestead where we shoot, hunt, garden, and homeschool our children without the tyranny of the nanny state looking over us. If you're ready to flee the city to the freedom of Idaho or Montana, our Black Rifle Real Estate team is here to help. Go to BlackRifleRealEstate.com. That's BlackRifleRealEstate.com.
USA Radio News with Tim Berg. Jeffrey Epstein's victim's attorney, Lisa Bloom, is reacting to the millionaire sex trafficker's apparent suicide. Bloom says she was disappointed by the news because she was hoping Epstein would face his crimes and receive the punishment he was due. We wanted Jeffrey Epstein to face justice. We wanted that day when he would be held accountable. My clients felt that that's when the healing could truly begin, and now they've been deprived of that. The deadly murders in El Paso, Texas and Dayton, Ohio have prompted renewed calls for gun reform legislation. During an appearance on Fox News, Democratic Congressman Al Green of Texas outlines a bill that he'd like to see Congress pass. We ought to take up the bills that are currently pending in the Senate to deal with background checks. Uh, This is very important. Comprehensive background checks. The president did say he's willing to work with Democrats and Republicans regarding legislation. And you're listening to USA Radio News. If you're 85 or younger, would you like peace of mind and comfort for your family? We're Final Expense Direct with an urgent message for you. The average funeral today costs over $8,000, but the most you'll get from government benefits is $255. How will your family pay the difference? We can help. Our senior plans start as low as just a dollar a day and pay up to $30,000 for a funeral and other final expenses. Peace of mind is easy. There's no medical exam. You'll have lifetime coverage, and your plan can't be canceled as long as you pay your premiums. Call now for free information about our senior plans. Answer a few simple questions and receive approval right on the phone. Plus, call right now and we'll give you a discount prescription card for free. Call 800-561-5716. That's 800-561-5716. Again, 800-561-5716. Message and data rates may apply. Ladies and gentlemen, this may be the last time you ever have to worry about hair loss. Because Bosley is the real deal. They're giving women and men their hair back permanently. They're real hair. All it takes to get started is a single text message. You'll get an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card when you text TITAN11 to 85850. Bosley will show you, for free, how great your hair could look. You'll also see, for free, why you're losing hair and how to get it back. Women and men all over the country trust Bosley because they're America's number one hair restoration expert. Ahead of the curve with the latest technology. And the best part? Bosley has permanent solutions to hair loss. You'll love what they'll do for your hair. So drop what you're doing long enough to send a text. Get your free information kit and gift card for $250 off by texting TITAN11 to 85850. Don't forget, that's T-I-T-A-N-1-1 to 85850. Hi, this is James Fox from Chasing UFOs. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So there's schoolyard activity, or was this was an athletic game, right? Yeah, this was taking place at night. There was a basketball game going on inside the school. Okay, so they're doing a basketball game inside the school because, so they couldn't see certainly what's going on outside. Right, they had no idea. It was at this point just the three ladies who were witnessing uh, these UFOs hovering over the school. One of them lifts her hand up to wave at the one of the objects, the closest one, which immediately drops out of the sky and hovers over their heads. They're all three women are standing next to each other, right over their heads, maybe 20 feet high. I mean, just in a split second. Two of the ladies turn and run. The other is so startled, she stays in place. Two of the ladies turn around and they look at their friend 
Brenda, and she's now screaming, her hands over her head, and this object has lowered even more down. It's about 10 feet above her head. Um, they're like, run, run, run. She finally you know, takes off. They run home. They get all their neighbors. They get everyone in the family, and they run back. Ray Fowler, one of the women, later confided to him that she was so frightened by you know, when this thing dropped down that she actually urinated herself. Uh, so this was a, a very close encounter. They run back, you know, they call the police, the police come, and the police are like, all right, who called about the plane? And they pointed to the object, which is now 30 feet above the school directly. And the police were visibly shaken. They hop out of their cruiser and start looking at this thing, which eventually, you know, hovers for a few more minutes and then takes off. And at this point, some military planes arrived and started circling around the school. What's really interesting, and this happens in other cases, is that object left Beverly High School and went directly to Gordon College, three miles away, where there were other people outside on the quadrangle there. And this thing makes a beeline for Gordon College, drops down to about 100 feet, stops for a split second, makes a right angle turn, and takes off straight up. Again, obviously putting on some kind of display. So, I mean, what are we to make of this? The Air Force, Project Blue Book, looked into this and couldn't believe it. They said, oh, the people saw Venus. It's absurd. That really does imply some sort of intent on the part of the aliens, doesn't it? You can't just say, okay, it's just a coincidence that they decided to leave one school and then zoom and zip instantly over to another one. And just, oh, they just happened to stop at another school or, or educational institution. I find that really interesting. And I think it fits with their overall behavior. We can speculate certainly about what their agenda is, but all we have is their behavior to guide us and you know, what people who have been contacted tell us. And this is the type of behavior. I mean, it's undeniable that they're targeting schools. And, uh, you know, targeting is a strong word. Someone said, well, maybe it's just a visiting. Well, either way, they're coming directly for our children. And that concerns me. It does, because children are vulnerable. They're one, perhaps our most precious resource. And to see so many of these cases targeting the youngest of our children, yeah, I do have some concerns about it. I don't well, think it's, it, it almost makes it sound like they're trying to prepare our society for their arrival by getting people who are young in, just used to the idea that, oh, yeah, yeah, aliens are real. Uh, Like, I mean, I don't know. It took you a while to realize that they were real. I'm not picking up from you any more doubt in your mind that they're real now. Uh, Gene, I don't even know if he's still totally sure, but he was introduced to it at a young age. And I just, so was I, and I just took it for granted that, well, I mean, with all these people and all these sightings and these people who are investigating, they've got to be real. So I grew up with the idea that they were real. I've had, actually, <laughs> it's interesting what you should mention, because uh, there's a field I walked to on the way to my school where I had a pretty interesting experience, which maybe we can get into on the after the Paracast. But these things happen to people. So what we've got is, it's, ir- it's irresistible. They're studying us. They're looking at our kids and, and our young people and saying, these are the people who are going to form the next generation of our society. Right. And, you know, we do have various other human activities that have large crowds of people, you know, concerts, certainly sports events. And we hear occasional sightings over events like that, but not 
in the numbers we're seeing with schoolyard encounters. And what's typical with schoolyard encounters is the witnesses' number, I'm going to say dozens would be small. Um, typically, it's 40 kids, 50 kids, 100, 200, 300. Each event builds up a very large audience of believers, well, you know, converts, I guess. So it's very effective, I think. And we have a situation now where our younger generations pretty much universally do believe in the subject. So it's become mainstream. They are very close. I, I think according to the polls, there are more people who do believe in it than don't. And then the rest are mostly undecided. And then there's this really uh, tiny percentage of what Stanton Friedman used to call the noisy negativists. You know, so, I mean, they didn't get a chance to see one. Unfortunately for them, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, we don't have a lot of repeat encounters. I find that interesting. Once a school is visited, that's usually it. But these cases started in large numbers pretty much exactly in the 1950s. I, you know, I did find that one case in 1853, but there was a seven, you know, a gosh, a hundred year dry spell pretty much, uh, 97 years. It wasn't until 1950 that these cases started. And following 1950, they occur on the average of, gosh, one at least per year, two or three more likely. And, you know, I did find 100 cases that took a, a very wide net, you know, scouring MUFON and New Fork and certainly APRO and NICAP and QFOS and all the other major organizations, not to mention, you know, other researchers and newspapers. But I'm guessing that the 100 cases here are... Gosh, the tip of the iceberg. I'm bet well, it's close. That's really amazing because, you know, we've heard of that. Yeah, okay, you know, there's some cases about schools. We'd like, you know, the Raw Zimbabwe, the Westall case, fascinating cases. We, you know, we've run across the other, other one here and there. But then you look at the title of your book, 100 True Accounts. You know, at first I thought this might be a little bit thin, but that's quite a few accounts. So I'm really looking forward to checking this one out. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, I've got so many cases. One very early case, March 15th, 1950, occurred at Prestonburg Elementary School, uh, which I kind of like the case because it's got my name in it. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, this occurred in Prestonburg, Kentucky, and it's a great case. It's a very early case. There was about 35 students and one teacher out on the playground. This is at the 1 p.m. break when suddenly there was this terrible deafening roar, uh, a very loud, or actually it's two objects, came dropping out of the sky from farther on the horizon over there, but came directly through the school, slowed down, circled over it, hovered for a second, and took off straight up. It terrified the students. They took off in a panic. <laughs> Several of them thought, that the world was ending, uh, a couple became violently ill. You know, people fainting is not unusual in these types of cases uh, because these objects drop down very quickly and very low, very, very fast. And uh, this, is, this case is, I find, unusual because it's so loud. Most of these cases involve silent objects or objects that have a low whispering or buzzing noise. Uh, but these were very, very loud. Uh, this does turn up in a few cases where the objects have very loud noises, like a siren in one case was described. Well, it reminds me the Zamora case is kind of what comes to mind there. Right. 
and uh, th- these objects took off. And then they came back again about an hour later. <laughs> and uh, by that point, of course, they had to send the children home. There was no chance that they were going to learn, which is another pattern you see in these cases when it's a particularly close encounter. Uh, school's out. That's it. <laughs> children are being sent home early because they they're just can't learn at this point. Can you imagine your kid coming home? Hey, what happened at school today? Well, I'm not sure you'd believe me if I told you. You know what? Yeah. Let's find out whether anyone can believe them. No, I never told my parents about UFOs. Or to come with Gene and Randall, you're in the Paracast. <laughs> for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Do you feel like many of us? All the distractions in the world taking our minds and focus off what really needs to get done day to day? Well, Jeunesse has a dietary supplement called Mind to help with mental distraction and it supports memory function. Go to GCNLife.com now to check it out. You're only at your best when your mind is at its best. Go to GCNLife.com or call toll free 844-443-6637. That's GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637. Most of you know that heart disease is the number one silent killer in the U.S. What if I told you for just $54.95 a month you could fight against heart disease naturally? At Heart and Body Extract, we've been helping thousands of people get back to a healthier heart. Don't just take my word for it. Check out all of the success stories at hbextract.com. Or to order, call 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. hbextract.com. Don't risk it when you can take charge of it. Hey folks, Tom D. for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, ghosts, zombies, UFOs, crop circles, and more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you, people who seek a little more than the other dating services offer. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com. And if you decide you like it and you want to connect with others, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. So many people want to share their experiences with the paranormal, the afterlife, the unusual. And this is the place to meet and share common interests with those of like minds. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com. That's ParanormalDate.com. Use the code word GEORGE and start meeting others. Get going now and connect with someone you like. 
Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? $92,000. Ouch. And the IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how'd it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. (laughs) I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes... Take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax management hotline now. 800-503-8625. Hey, this is Marie D. Jones, the author of This Book is from the Future. And you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. That's fair to say I did not see any UFOs when I was a kid. I once had something that may have been a UFO, but then it was basically an unusual cloud formation. But my ex-friend Larry, for several years, maintained we had seen a real flying saucer. And when I set him straight, forget about it. Didn't work for him. But I bought UFO books. Usually at the closeout tables at the Samuel Weiser bookstore in New York City for a dollar, a dollar and a half. Had tons of books. My parents never, ever said a single thing, not a single thing about it. They were probably just glad you were reading something, you know? I mean, there, that's a good sign. He can read. (laughs) <laughs> well i mean that's what mine were like i was doing the same thing i'd be we'd be go through a bookstore and i'd see like uh, ufos by jim and carl lorenzen and i'd say hey this one looks pretty good you know can i get this book and they were just fine with that sure okay well you know there he is and he'll sit quietly in the back seat of the car and read about ufos <laughs> it's interesting there, i mean there was a case in uh let's see it was glasgow scotland in 1952 school had just let out this was Elder Park Primary School, and everyone was out there on the playground beginning to walk home when suddenly this huge shadow starts playing across the field. It's a perfectly round shadow, giant. Everyone looks up. It's this huge metallic craft. It looks very much like a sombrero hat. It kind of lazily moves over and hovers over the school steeple about 100 feet up, and it's rotating. It stays there for about five minutes, main witness Joan Torrance said she had a weird sense of timelessness. She wasn't sure really how long they were staring at this thing. I find that interesting because that same comment turns up in a number of cases. People feel like they lose track of time when this thing comes over the playground. And everyone's staring up at this thing when finally it just lifts up, makes a, a whirring sound, and takes off over the city of Glasgow. All the kids go home and tell their parents. Most are not believed. Uh, but it turns out a lot of people saw this thing that day. The newspapers got a lot of calls, and there was articles all over the newspapers. So the parents had to eat their words, basically, and learn that their children weren't lying. But typically, yeah, the parents do not believe the children. And if there's anything that this, you know, researching this book has taught me, 
is that we should probably pay attention to what our children are saying, particularly you know when they're describing UFO encounters. Well, there's been some contact actually as well in some of these cases, right? Like how, what ha- sort of messages have been passed along by the aliens to the kids, if any, or the children? Yeah, there are a lot of landing cases. The humanoid cases are fairly rare, but definitely does happen. There was one case uh, unpublished. I interviewed the lady myself. I met her at contact in the desert when I was speaking there, and she just brought it up out of the blue. I was really surprised to hear her talking about how she had this incredible schoolyard encounter at, when she was 10 years old in elementary school. This is in Mentor, Ohio. And suddenly she's out there on the playground and her friends come running after her three friends and they're screaming and they're like, look, look, look. And she turns around and there, right at the edge of the playground, this object is coming lower and lower and lower out of the sky. It's metallic, kind of not quite saucer shaped, almost egg shaped, just slowly coming down, 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 down until it's right at treetop level, like right over the trees. And the witness I talked to, she wants to remain anonymous. She said the weirdest thing happened. It's like the entire world faded away. It was just her and this UFO. She got a real sense of timelessness. Wasn't sure how long she was looking at this thing, but got a distinct message from them in English, in her head, telepathically. And it said, remember this day. And she didn't know really what that meant other than you know, the obvious. <laughs> like, duh, yeah, okay, I don't think I'm going to forget this for a while. It sounds like right. a scene in one of the Star Trek movies where Spock takes his hand and places it on Dr. McCoy's cheek. And he says, remember. Remember. <laughs> yeah, well, it impressed her. She certainly did remember. Which, you know, often people don't. There are some very interesting amnesia cases. But uh, this object now sinks below the trees line. It's really interesting. In a lot of these cases, when UFOs land, they always land in a grove of trees or behind a tree there right next to the playground. And that was certainly true in this case. And she's waiting to see what happens when suddenly there's a real kind of a silver blur, like a bullet tracer. This thing just shot up so fast If you weren't looking at it, you would never have seen it. And her three friends saw it. They all saw it. They don't think anyone else in the playground saw it. They're not sure. Uh, But they never talked about it. It was never mentioned ever again. That was basically it. And it's one of the few cases uh, involving messages. The only one that really has messages of any length in it was the Rua Zimbabwe case. Where, yeah, a bunch of the children got very lengthy messages that were basically all very similar and all pertain to uh, our environment. Uh, one lady was told that we are becoming too technological and we we're using technology the wrong way, that there's a the right way to use technology in the wrong way, and we could do a lot better. Another student received the message that our forests were dying and that they needed to be protected. Another got a message about air pollution. And this is, you know, back in 94 and, you know, a very rural area in rural Zimbabwe where certainly environmentalism was not an issue, like it is now, at least. But messages are pretty rare. What do you think is going on with these messages about the environment? Because it seems to be a pretty common theme. You know, we've heard other cases of people who've been taken on board craft and then shown beautiful pictures of nature in all its glory juxtaposed with the destruction of nature by 
big industry and that sort of thing. And it's, it's like, well, you know, is that a political thing you think that they're trying to convey? Or is it really just an eco- ecological thing? Or, you know, why is it always that particular juxtaposition, do you think? Because we yeah. know it's more complex than just we've got to protect nature, sure. But you think that we, we, know, we don't know that already? Like, you know, they come down from I don't know where, and this is the most profound message they can give us, because we know that we need help with it, not to be shown more pictures of it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't think it's political. You know, I ask people, you know, part of the country you're from, what's your political leanings, what's your job, and this sort of thing, and you get a very wide spectrum. Uh, This experience happens to all people. That message that you're describing about environmentalism is the single most common message people get. You know, sometimes they'll get messages about healing or spirituality or, you know, the engine room and how the craft works. But overall, it's usually warnings of some type about nuclear proliferation, our warlike ways, uh, pollution, overpopulation, this sort of thing. Very common. I think that they're concerned about our planet. And what I find interesting is this message has been universal since day one, whether you're talking about, you know, the contactee era of the 1950s with George Adamski and Truman Bethram and Howard Menger and all those guys, or, you know, Betty and Barney Hill and, you know, the modern day Grey's abductions or the praying mantis or the human looking or whatever. That is the most common message, regardless of ET, regardless of location, regardless of witness. Uh, so it does appear to be their primary agenda is waking us up to you know, the fact that we are destroying our environment. You know, though, people don't pay attention to ET if these are extraterrestrials, far advanced, far more advanced than we are because they're traveling across the stars. And they come here and they say, you got to get your act together. Peace, love, you know, like Ringo Starr, peace, love, and let's fix the environment, all that good stuff. But what do the space people or the UFO knots, whatever they are, what do they accomplish from this? Nothing. Yeah, they're not actually doing anything, are they? Uh, they're not intervening, at least not in any large scale uh, and not publicly. Uh, one couple I interviewed had an abduction experience in Sedona, Arizona. Well, they don't like to call it an abduction. They were invited aboard, essentially. They said it was very pleasant. And they asked the ETs why they don't intervene. And the ETs said, well, we can't. You know, we can only help people on a limited basis. We try to help those who are helping others. This couple who had the onboard experience, they were uh, herbal healers in Hawaii in their community and pretty effective at that, and social activists. That's a pattern I definitely see. People who are having contact are often doing good work for humanity in some capacity. It's a loose pattern, but turns up a lot. You know, People are doctors, social workers, environmentalists, this sort of thing. Let's do our break here. Preston Dennett, Schoolyard, UFO Encounters, and more with Gene and Randall. You're in The Paracast. for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. 
A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP, as slim as possible. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. You know, when we discuss whether ET or whoever and whatever they are, are interested at all in interfering with us, but the presence of UFOs interference, conversing with the local populace is interference, I guess. So they are not following General Order One. <laughs> the prime directive. Exactly. Make it so. Yeah. yeah, well, particularly in these schoolyard cases, like the Jerome Elementary case. Uh, this is Jerome High School in Marysville, Ohio. Uh, this is sometime back, let me see, I believe it was 1954. And there's 60 children out in the playground when this UFO hovers about 500 feet up there. It's very bright, so bright, you know, sometimes you have to shield your eyes. It has little portholes around it. And the kids finally realize, you know, this thing is circling the school for a good amount of time before the kids finally alert the teachers. The principal comes running out, Rodney Warwick, and he looks up and sees this thing. He says, he's never seen anything like it before or since. It's very bright. He calls out another teacher. As soon as she comes out, this thing darts away at very high speed. Talk about, you know, interfering. This object sent down a shower of what we now know is or term angel hair. Back then, they really didn't know what it was. But it's this cotton candy kind of wispy-like substance. And we don't know what it is. Perhaps UFO exhaust. I don't think so because it's pretty darn rare. But there was a ton of it, and it came 
pouring down over the school for the next 45 minutes, completely covering specifically the school and the area around it, about several miles. And enough where they could gather this stuff up. They were rolling it up in you know little gelatinous balls that turned their uh, skin green. Freaked one of the teachers out. She washed her hands off very quickly. The other guy, Rodney Warwick, left this green substance on his hands, and it eventually just kind of sublimated and evaporated and went away. They did send a sample to the local newspaper. We sent it off to the local Air Force base there, uh, which they never heard back from. <laughs> Why am I not uh, surprised about that? Why did people ever continue to do that? I mean, oh, let's send the sample to the Air Force because why? So that we can never see it again, ever? <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, it's interesting because these cases do sometimes draw federal interest, interest from the, our government, uh, which is pretty darn interesting. Certainly that was true in this Jerome Elementary School. There was another case, gosh, I think it was the next year, yeah, just October 1955 in North Carolina, Whitset Elementary School, same type of thing. Bunch of students are out there when eight kind of metal spherical objects are whizzing around the school and they drop this enormous amount of angel hair. And uh, they're scooping it up. One of the kids picks it up and he's about to put it in his mouth. The teacher's like, no, no, no. Too late. The kid eats it anyway. <laughs> He's like, ew, it tasted salty. It did not taste good. Uh, but they did send a sample of this, not to the Air Force this time, but to uh, Burlington Labs, who, said, who weren't able to identify it and said, you should probably send this to a biologist. Uh, we think it's probably maybe spider webs. So they did. And the spider web guy's like, no, this is not spider webs. The fibers are way too even. There's no evidence of spiders at all in here. And if you know, you saw that many spider webs coming down over the school. There should have been spiders in them. And there Maybe was. it's like what they convert their trash to or something, you know, like when they take off, they've just got to like, you know, flush the system or something. <laughs> no. And that's what it, that's what comes out. You know, I, I honestly think it's like some sort of show. I don't know. I'm only speculating, but it's pretty rare. There are a number of cases, but given the number of sightings we have, Angel hair cases are statistically insignificant. The number of cases is 50, 100, maybe a little bit more than that. But it's either that or some kind of slag or something like that that resembles something more like that you'd see at a, some metalwork foundry or something. You get those two things, but you, you don't seem to get anything in between, like refined bars or microcircuits or anything like that, you know? You know, what I wonder here is how come we had most of those or all of those angel hair sightings? years and years ago. How recent have we seen cases like this? Ah, that's a good question. I'd have to look into that. I haven't heard of any recent cases. I'm sure there are some out there. I know there are recent schoolyard cases. This phenomenon is continuing to go on, and uh, I found like three or four cases from this year alone, uh, which weren't great cases. They were just people driving by a school and saw something hovering very low over the school. To me, a good case involves... 50 students seeing this thing and teachers and preferably some adult witnesses. I'm thinking here we should recruit our special correspondent, William Puckett, to look into that for a future appearance on After the Paracast. That's not a bad idea. I can think maybe of one reason now. Every kid in school's got a cell phone. There'd be no shortage of pictures. If it happened now, it would be all over the news everywhere. You couldn't keep it 
just there's no way that you could make it go away. Yeah, there was a recent one in 2018, I believe it was, over West Nusa School. This is actually in Indonesia. And they did get pictures of it. A number of these cases do involve photographic evidence. There was a Hotchkiss High School. Uh, this object kept showing up over a period of days. They filmed it. Uh, there was another case in Moline, Illinois, at the Sacred Heart Elementary School, where a police officer was on the scene, and he had a film camera and was able to film one of these objects for a good half minute, 30 seconds or so. And sure enough, the Air Force was very interested in his case. <laughs> and let me guess. Yeah. It, oh, well, we'll just let the Air Force analyze it. And that was the last anyone saw of it. Um, you can actually go online and look at it. It's it's just kind of this little, oh. I mean, for what we've got today. But yeah, he was visited by men in black as well, who threatened him and were very interested in this case, as well as, you know, U.S. Air Force officers. Uh, so that whenever some anyone gets, you know, good evidence, it's much more likely you're going to be visited by the men in black. Well, they are the galaxy protectors, the men in black. I wanted to ask you something because you mentioned it briefly before. Your book covers schoolyard UFO cases going back to as long as 150 years ago. Looking that far, what precisely were they seeing then? The only case prior to 1950 was the one I already mentioned, the Burek College case in Tennessee. And it was just lights, uh, which is pretty unusual for a schoolyard case. Most of them involved metallic objects uh, with portholes and colored lights on them and this sort of thing. Uh, so that was the only case I could find that predated the modern age of UFOs. Well, I imagine, though, there were some, uh, and I'd have to go back and look through some of these Magonia files that, uh, that I've got here, but um, before there was organ an organized school system, the church did a lot of educating. So kids, kids would go to school and, and learn in church. That's where they, the higher centers were. And there were lots of sightings around churches in the old days. That's interesting. I haven't looked into that. Uh, but I do know that there's a lot of mythology about students or children being visited by fairies and things like this, uh, which could definitely be connected. Uh, hard to say. I, you know, I haven't really studied that sort of thing in depth because uh, I'm just overwhelmed by how many schoolyard cases there are going on right here. So, yeah, well, say since the dawn of the modern age anyways. So right. we're dealing with our typical saucer occupants of some kind or our typical saucer craft. Maybe there aren't any actual occupants or beings that are seen at the time, but we still are dealing with what seem to be called flying saucers back in the day, mostly, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. They're your typical. I mean, you get all kinds of shapes and sizes, certainly spheres, uh, saucers, football shapes, cigars. Sometimes there's windows, sometimes not egg shaped, usually silver or metallic, but sometimes white. Uh, but yeah, all different types of shapes. I've got a question for you to pick up on the next segment. Preston Dennett, Schoolyard UFO Encounters. With Gene and Randall, you're in The Paracast. (laughs) 
Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Hi, I'm Adam Barada, author of the book Gold is a Better Way. It became a national bestseller. It's now become a movement. My member site went live one year ago, and since that time, gold is up $250. It's outperforming the highest flying stock market in history by 15%. And for the first time, I'm opening up my live gold summit to non-members. This is a $1,500 ticket for free. Join me and my over 5,000 members via live stream on August 14th and learn the secrets to the next gold boom. The event is for investors with over $100,000. If that's you, text the words Gold Summit to 49776. That's the words Gold Summit to 49776. Get your $1,500 ticket for free for our August 14th live event now. Text Gold Summit to 49776 and join the movement. Text the words Gold Summit to 49776. That's the words Gold Summit to 49776. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon you'll need a plan and place to survive. Forget bunkers. You're not a live underground gopher. You need survivalist camps, the ultimate fully functional off the grid mobile survival bug out house that's well equipped and custom built to outlast any other RV or trailer. Bold statement, you bet. See them now at survivalistcamps.com. That's survivalistcamps.com. Trust your family survival to survivalistcamps.com. Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? $92,000. Ouch. And the IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how did it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. <laughs> I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes, take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax manager hotline now 800-503-8625 800-503-8625 hi this is dr joel wallach the mineral doctor you've heard me talk about 90 for life for years 60 minerals 16 vitamins 12 amino acids two fatty acids you may not know this that i've actually designed arthur decks for animals that's right your pets need 90 for life too Get this essential pet product by calling 877-279-9422. That's 877-279-9422. Again, 877-279-9422. 
We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Now, we know that a lot of your schoolyard UFO encounters, Preston Dennett, involve both adults and kids. But do we find at all that the kids are seeing something different from what adults traditionally report under these circumstances? No. What we're finding is basically the same types of things. Uh, When teachers and adults are witnesses along with the children, they describe exactly what the children are seeing. Children's testimonies, generally speaking, match up. There are minor differences, which we expect to see and we do see uh, when there's a large mass sighting. Uh, People's testimonies don't match up perfectly, uh, which I think argues towards the veracity of the account. Because if it matches too perfectly, it's clearly they're conspiring together to kind of pull up a hoax. In these cases, there's no evidence of that. Children will stick to their testimony decades and decades later, you know, with the Broadhaven incident and the Westall incident. And I think the Crestview as well, they put up memorials because this had such a profound effect on the children. As far as, you know, the ETs being seen, uh, you get all kinds. You know, there's short beings, tall beings, grays are not super prominent. Here's a really interesting humanoid case. This occurred on May 6, 1977 at Ocean Knoll Elementary School in Encinitas, California. A school teacher and about 15 students were out there on the playground, and uh, this object comes out of the sky, hovers over the playground, and gets lower and lower, and it starts to descend into a canyon right next to the school. And it stops and hovers in place at about eye level. So all the students can see, and it's got this huge picture window. And through the picture window, all the students and the teacher could see humanoids. And it was very brief. This thing comes down for landing. About an hour later, it comes up again, and they see it again, and it stops again uh, for longer this time. One of the students even has binoculars, and they describe these beings as uh, having kind of lumpy faces or, or wearing masks. Didn't get really great descriptions on what they exactly looked like, but clearly not human. I want to ask you something that occurred to me as you were talking. We have sightings where the adults and the children see essentially the same thing, you know, beyond considerations of human error. But when children see something all by themselves, no adults around, it's easy for parents to say, oh, they're just kids. They don't take those things seriously. And maybe we should. Yeah, I I totally agree. Certainly the children have a hard time with this. In the Rua Zimbabwe case, the whole dynamic of the children, the teachers, and the parents um, caused quite a bit of friction. Some of the children came home, they weren't believed, and it caused all kinds of problems with them. Uh, The parents come to the school and were very upset because some of their children were pretty traumatized, and the teachers were trying to deny the whole thing at first. It definitely causes problems, and I think this is because how we view children as being somehow inferior uh, to adults. Yes, they're not as worldly. Uh, Their awareness is not as developed. They're still learning. 
Uh, but in essence, they are just little adults. There's no reason not to trust their testimonies, particularly when you've got a large group of students, not just one or two, uh, but, you know, dozen, 40, 50. The largest viewed cases number up to 400 students. <laughs> so when you're seeing that many, I mean, it becomes impossible to deny that something's going on. Like the case in New Zealand at Richmond School, 400 students. This is in March of 1970. And two teachers saw this huge black object hovering right over the playground. They couldn't tell how high up it was, but it was huge. It covered like a third of the sky. Everyone's mouth was just dropped open. Everyone was wide-eyed. They couldn't believe it. This thing hung there for a good 10 minutes. And this is not a, you know, an isolated location. There was an airport next, next door, not too far away, about two miles away. Should have been able to see it. Said they didn't. No one else reported anything except the people who were directly at the school. 400 witnesses and two teachers don't know what it is. One of the students comes running up to the teacher. Is that a UFO? Teacher's like, yep, it is. I don't know. And yet we still have insufficient scientifically valid material evidence to satisfy those skeptics who require that level of evidence in order to believe that such things are taking place. And this is really curious to me because I do believe that such things are taking place, that young people are having genuine experiences and that alien visitation is a reality. I make no bones about it. This is something that I do believe happens. And yet I can't point to any particular individual. So let's say we, you know, we imagine, think of this whole group of people that's out there. There's this, it's like this family of people that have this common experience of an extremely profound thing in their lives, and yet they have no way to prove to each other that it really happened. You know, one of them from Australia could come to the and talk to someone in Africa or the United States or Canada, and we'd be going, well, yeah, I believe it happens, but do I really know for sure it happened to you, or are you just making it up? And so the aliens themselves, they could clear all this up really easily, but they don't. And that's the real curiosity here. They come down and they do this, but they don't leave us with, it, with sufficient evidence to say, yes, the messages we delivered are genuine. They're for real. Pay attention. It's more like it's a puzzle for the rest of us to figure out. Well, okay, that's General Order 1A, which is screw with their minds. <laughs> yeah, there does seem to be that aspect, and it's very frustrating. There is physical evidence in a number of these cases. Certainly in the Westall case, there was landing traces. There was another case in 1972. This was in Middleburg, South Africa, where a object landed on the tennis courts of the Rosemead High School and was seen by a number of people and left these unexplainable marks on the tennis court. Well, tore them up completely. A lot of people came to look at it, and there was no consensus on how this damage could have been caused. They found part of the tennis courts on a hill some distance away. Um, it was also on part of the fence there. The fences were locked. The tennis courts were locked up. There was a elm tree next door to the courts, or I mean, right next to the courts, and it suffered some kind of damage as well. All the leaves fell off the tree, and some of the shoots were burned. So there's physical evidence in some of these cases, but just ambiguous enough to make you scratch your head and wonder. Definitely. Yeah, well, uh, we're coming up to the next break, and maybe we'll get into, we've got to get into some more of these cases after the break for sure.
And I want to remind everybody that Preston Dennett is going to be on the road. And next year, he's going to be one of the featured speakers at the UFO Con 2020, February 20th through 23rd in South San Francisco, California. Okay? So if you're going to San Francisco around that time, it might be fun. The weather is really nice there. Kind of on the cool side compared to what we get in Arizona. But I like San Francisco in the in the winter. No snow there or anything like that. More to come with Preston Dennett, Gene Steinberg, Jay Randall Murphy. You're in the Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Fellow patriots, my name is Todd Savage, founder of BlackRifleRealEstate.com. Like you, I was a prisoner of the alt-left sanctuary state until one day I chose to lead my family to freedom. Today we live on a sustainable 20-acre homestead where we shoot, hunt, garden, and homeschool our children without the tyranny of the nanny state looking over us. If you're ready to flee the city to the freedom of Idaho or Montana, our Black Rifle Real Estate team is here to help. Go to BlackRifleRealEstate.com. That's BlackRifleRealEstate.com. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow. A new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. USA Radio News with Tim Berg. Attorney General William Barr is expressing anger over the apparent suicide of Jeffrey Epstein while in federal custody. With more on the story, here's USA Radio Network's John Clements. In a written statement from the Department of Justice, Attorney General William Barr is quoted as saying, I was appalled to learn Jeffrey Epstein was found dead from an apparent suicide while in federal custody. Mr. Epstein's death raises serious questions that must be answered. The press release went on. In addition to the FBI's investigation, I have consulted with the Inspector General, who is opening an investigation into the circumstances of Mr. Epstein's death. There is now a report that the 66-year-old Epstein was not on watch in his cell at the Manhattan Correctional Facility. A U.S. soldier is dead after being killed on a mission in Iraq. The U.S. military says the soldier was on a mission with Iraqi forces at the time. And you're listening to USA Radio News. Hey, travelers, do you want to save money on your next flight? Then pick up the phone and call. That's right, call, because the best prices are not online. They're with SmartFares. See, SmartFares has special deals with the airlines. When they have unsold seats, they use SmartFares to fill them. So you get airline tickets at ridiculously low prices. Our prices are too low to publish online. With the extra money you'll save, you can book another trip or treat yourself to dinner or shopping. So stop searching all of those travel sites to find the lowest price on your next flight. Let one of our SmartFares expert travel agents find ridiculously low prices for you. Call SmartFares today and get the best price on your next flight. Guaranteed. Also, save up to 50% off business and first class tickets. 800-871-3291. 800-871-3291. Again, that's 800-871-3291. Do you own a timeshare? 
Well, you probably now realize it wasn't a good idea and the financial strain it's putting on you and your family has you stressed and you probably think there's no way out. This is Steve Sanchez, and you know I've been an advocate for hardworking Americans just like you for 27 years, and there's a way out of this financial nightmare, and my friends at Wesley Financial, the leading timeshare cancellations company in the country, can help you cancel your timeshare guaranteed. Being lied to, misled, and pressured into buying a timeshare doesn't have to be your story, but freedom of being out of it can be. I have a special free information kit that will give you the step-by-step process that Wesley Financial uses to get you out of your timeshare guaranteed. Call 1-800-501-6100. That's 1-800-501-6100 or visit stevesanchez.info. You don't have to have the financial nightmare of a timeshare any longer. Wesley Financial can help you get out guaranteed. Call 1-800-501-6100. This is Jacques Vallée, and you're listening to the podcast, The Gold Standard of Paranormal Radio. And one more thing. Preston Dennett will also continue discussions with this weekend's After the Paracast, which also features William Puckett's sighting update. That's going to be interesting. Randall, why don't you pick up? Well, I like to... Uh what you were mentioning there about the uh, alien con that's coming up there in 2020 that's uh lorian fenton's putting that together and one of the things she does is she wants to have get uh, guests and speakers who are doing things just for her nobody else something unique just to that particular convention so i just thought i'd, I'd mention that uh while we've got preston on and you managed to get in just under the wire to talk about all this good stuff preston so let's uh, carry on what's your favorite case Ah, there's so many. I mean, probably one of my favorite cases was one that was unpublished. I interviewed the witness myself. Her name is Melody. And this occurred in March of 1966, same time as the Hillsdale, Michigan case. It was a big year for schoolyard encounters. Uh, This occurred at Point Elementary School in St. Louis, Missouri. It's a very interesting case because it involves landings and humanoids. And what happened was recess started and melody her friends would usually play four square right there on the playground Uh, but for whatever reason she and about six kids six kids exactly decided that they would play tag so they ran out beyond the cement playground there onto the football field and were out there at the edge of the school and had just started to play tag when she looks down on the ground and is like guys look at this look at these footprints And they were weird because they were barefoot, but they were half normal size, very small with a kind of really deep rounded heel, very pointy toes, bipedal, clearly not an animal, but couldn't be human. They didn't look human. And uh, they're all kind of like looking at him and wondering what it could be and where they came from. When someone looked up beyond the school border there and saw lights in the trees, white lights, very bright. And Melody's first thought and the other kids was like, oh, ice cream truck. <laughs> because, uh, you know, they have kids. ice cream trucks. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's awesome. Okay. So, so Completely innocent. Like, oh, yeah, okay. Uh, ice cream. <laughs> yeah. uh, there's no roads there where they were looking. There's a, far, you know, a farmhouse in that general area. But this was kind of a slightly hilly area with little trees, groves of trees and stuff. So they're thinking ice cream truck, even though they 
kind of know it can't be, but they're going to check it out anyway. So all six of them, three boys, three girls, go running towards the lights and come around the trees there and stop in their tracks because they're right up to it at this point. They stop in a row. They're all standing there in a row. And it's not an ice cream truck. There's no music. It's not, you know, got typical ice cream truck look at all. It's actually a sort of a silver flying saucer, typical, with white lights on top, uh, perhaps portholes. She's not certain. Uh, It was landed on the ground. And no sooner had they seen this thing, when they realized that there was something standing next to it, maybe 20 feet away from them, a very short figure, uh, four feet tall, maybe. It was very muscular looking, appeared to have maybe a jumpsuit or not. They couldn't quite tell, uh, but it was very dark colored, kind of not black, but dark gray, perhaps. And she said the body was like a gymnast. You could clearly see that there was musculature there, had a very large head, much larger than ours, very large, dark eyes. Uh, The head was bald. And as soon as the kids, you know, run up there, this thing turns and looks them in the eye and never takes its eye off of them as it starts walking slowly towards its craft. It passes by a cow. You know, there's four cows there on the farm and one standing by a fence right where this E.T. presumably is. And uh, it walks by the cow, touches the cow. The cow falls over unconscious, perhaps dead. She doesn't know. They're freaking out. This At this point, the teacher appears behind them, uh, Miss Ollendorf, and she is absolutely hysterical. She sees everything. She can see the craft. She can see the ET, and she is absolutely panicking, takes the children and grabs them and pulls them away and drags them back into the school, screams at everyone in the playground, uh, none of who apparently saw this at first, but now did, saw the lights as you know, she's screaming at them to get back into the school. She pulls them all back into her class. All the kids rush to the window because it's facing where this, where this area is. And they can still see the lights, the humanoid they can't see. And she starts closing all the shutters. She calls for the other teachers. She calls the principal. She's in a complete panic. Uh, apparently, other teachers saw this thing too. Uh, because they decided they were going to send the kids home. They put them all into the gymnasium, got the school buses together. The object is still out there at this point. And right before the school buses take them away, some, one of the kids screams out, there it goes! Because you know there's windows in the gymnasium, but they're high up. And he saw it take off through the window there and uh, straight up. And that was it. It was never talked about after that. The students certainly talked about it, but the teachers absolutely refused to discuss it. I mean, you'd think that would be something that they should put on a plaque and stick it behind one of those glass things in the school somewhere to mark the day that their school was visited by an alien or something. That's how amazing that sounds. And yet they don't like, no, no, this never happened. Exactly. I mean, they did put a plaque up in Westall, uh, but not here. Um, And she's still in touch with some of the other witnesses, by the way. I'm trying to track them down. Oh, that's really interesting. So uh, I'm very excited about that. But yeah, it's a great case and kind of typical of these schoolyard cases. But amnesia does come up in cases. There's one case involving 
a very large group of students, 40 or 50, and teachers, only two people remember. And one of the students, you know, they had a party some years after the event. What happened was this, they thought it was a plane coming in. It wasn't a plane. It had no wings, no tail. It was silver, had no windows on it, and it looked like it was coming in for a landing. Instead, it releases all these smaller, like, discs, which start whirling around, and the teachers panic and call all the students to come back inside. Timothy, he's the main witness. That's his pseudonym. Didn't uh, Following this incident, he kind of forgot about it. Apparently, everybody did. It was years later. He was in uh, high school, and he still knows a bunch of these kids. He's at a party with them. And he's like, hey, you guys, remember that time a UFO hovered over the school? And no one remembered. He's like, I'm sure you were there, and you were, and you were. And he found finally one student who was there. And he's like, yeah, I do remember that. Uh, he remembered it slightly differently. <laughs> Uh, but apparently, there was amnesia with a lot of these students, and other cases reflect the same type of pattern. Or maybe what we're dealing with is uh, some kind of Mandela effect. Like maybe that one student, you know, remembers it from his universe, and it, it, something happened. I mean, this is weird enough that these aliens are happening. I something seems to be going on with these. Uh, for lack of a better term, dimensional portals and all of that stuff, like who knows, maybe they're connected somehow. The same phenomenon, maybe they come from there. Maybe they bring people, maybe they transport people from dimension to dimension just to see what happens and study our behavior. Yeah, it's very hard to say what's going on. Uh, I'm like, take this case, Downey Elementary School here in California. Witnesses was, I believe she's seven years old, you know, a tiny little girl uh, comes home from school. And says, Daddy, Daddy, something hovered over the playground. And he started talking to her and realized she had seen something very unusual. Took her back to the playground and got the whole story out of her. Apparently, she and all the other students on the playground, no teachers saw this. I don't know how that's possible because they saw this for quite some time. And they're very young students. Saw this, or it was a spherical-shaped object, metallic. It started up very high up there and came lower and lower and lower. And uh, had these kind of colored lights all around the perimeter, a very bright, bright center. And she said, Daddy, I felt like it was um, looking at us. It was coming You know, here's us. looking at you, kid, because we got a break. we got to look at these things. And then we'll be back here with Preston, Gene, and Randall. You're in. Stop, Heracast. <laughs> for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. 
First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Are you afraid to go to the mailbox because of letter after letter from the IRS? Are they stacking on more and more penalties and interest? By now, you know the problem won't go away on its own. Don't let the IRS chase you to your grave with penalties and interest and liens and levies. You need real help now. I'm Dan Pilla. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I helped thousands of people solve tax problems they thought couldn't be solved. I can help you too. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. Most of you know that heart disease is the number one silent killer in the U.S. What if I told you for just $54.95 a month you could fight against heart disease naturally? At Heart and Body Extract, we've been helping thousands of people get back to a healthier heart. Don't just take my word for it. Check out all of the success stories at hbextract.com. Or to order, call 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. hbextract.com. Don't risk it when you can take charge of it. Have you checked your Google search results lately? Search results are usually the first impression that people form of you or your business. So make sure that they create a positive impression with Reputation Defender. What the Internet says about you can have a big impact on your life and your livelihood, even if it's not true. Fortunately, you can now control how you look online and in online search results with Reputation Defender. Call 800-831-0771 now. That's 800-831-0771 for your free reputation analysis. If you have negative material from an ex-employee, upset patient, or former client, newspaper article, legal issue, social media, or other source showing up in your search results, you can combat it with Reputation Defender. Our dedicated experts in patented technology can help make your online search results look their best. Call 800-831-0771 to learn more. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow, and like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat, I would flip-flop all night long, I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented my pillow, I wanted it to where you could move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed, it's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. You can buy one of my pillows and get one absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-870-0305 and use promo code GCN. That's MyPillow.com or 800-870-0305 with promo code GCN. Hi, this is Joshua P. Warren, author of The Poor Man's Paranormal, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. A cliffhanger from Preston Dennett as we were talking about yet another case 
schoolyard UFO encounters. Preston. Yeah, it's an amazing case. And uh, well, she thought it was looking at her. Okay, so this is pretty bizarre because we get this a lot, right? People think that they're being watched. Yeah, she had that distinct impression, as did some of the other students. Now, it turns out the witness's father, his mother-in-law works at the school as a teacher. So he goes straight to her, of course, and she's like, yeah, we know about it. Um, all the students in my class were talking about it, and she asked the other teachers, and sure enough, the students were talking about it. So he goes around and talks to the teachers and some of the students who all described the same exact thing. Uh, this thing was still out there, by the way, when the students went back into the school, and it wasn't there. The, the student said, oh, I think it's going to come back tomorrow, Dad. It didn't. Um, that was the only time it, it showed up. But it did seem to come with some sort of agenda because it came very low over the school and hovered there for a very long time. And the students felt like it was looking at them and was aware of them. So I'm not sure what is going on here, uh, but it was a really remarkable sighting. Well, have you actually talked to any of these witnesses yourself in any of your travels? Not nearly as many as I'd like. I tra traced about four or five of the cases where I was able to interview the witnesses myself. Some cases I did find like the recordings that were not publicly revealed. So that was almost like being able to interview them. Not quite. I didn't get to ask questions. Uh, but the majority of these cases were drawn from, you know, MUFON, New Fork, APRO, QFOS, NICAP, and a lot from the UFO News Clipping Service and old newspapers. Uh, pa Patrick Gross wrote a book called The Fifth Horseman of the Apocalypse. It's a multi-volume book with all the sightings from the 1950s and 60s, particularly in some of the 70s. So that was a great resource. I found a lot of major researchers have uncovered these types of cases. Uh, so that was another great resource. Yeah, I've seen it covered just you know briefly, but I don't actually recall any other books where the whole book is just dedicated to this particular aspect of UFO encounters and sightings. I, I really like the idea, and I know this one's going to end up on my bookshelf, not that I don't already have enough of them to deal with, but uh, what do I, what can I say, folks? I can't help myself. This is definitely going to end up being on my nightstand here. Yeah, I think it's an important book, um, and certainly the children are very impacted by their sightings. We talked about that earlier. Another thing I forgot to mention was a number of these students, I mean, like th the case in Bankery, Scotland, involved a young student who was out playing football with his friends, and this object hovers very low. They all saw it. They discussed it for a while, decided it wasn't a weather balloon. Well, he went on to become Scotland's leading UFO researcher. And a number of other people have written books, or they become very interested in metaphysics or quantum physics, astronomy, space travel, and, you know, go on the radio. One guy's a frequent guest on coast to coast. That's really interesting so. that you should mention that because our previous guest, Christian Croma, uh, we talked to him about exactly that, how alien, well, the whole subject of UFOs, ufology in general, has inspired a lot of people to really think about how those things can be possible and how they work and to try to build them or think about the possibilities for the future what does it mean yeah i think that speaks to really one of their agendas which is waking us up to our own latent abilities and you know what we can do uh and uh, 
not only technological progress, uh, which definitely does seem to be a thing, but spirituality and our own abilities to do, say, astral travel. <gasps> or, well, okay, that stuff sounds like we're getting out there into the fringe, but people do have these experiences, whatever they exactly are. I'm not entirely sure. But one thing that does seem to be the case with young people as well is that they are more open to those kinds of experiences. So sometimes young people seem to experience their own out-of-body experiences, or they have what they seem to think are some sort of telepathic ability, like to be able to sense they're very em empathic as well. And so maybe that's what they're doing when they go to these schools is these young people, they can relate to them. They can yeah. communicate to them, you know, with them on that level. Yeah, I wondered about that. Maybe they're just more open-minded to some of these subjects where we would be like, no, no way. And there's one case where there was a sort of rainbow-colored object and a number of students saw it. And he's looking at it, had a sense of timelessness, apparently had missing time, because the next thing he knows, recess is over. Uh, he's usually first in line back in the school, and he was ran and found out he was last in line. Everyone's looking at him strange. He just appeared out of nowhere. And following this weird kind of missing time incident, he had a dream that he believes is recall of what happened during this missing time. And he remembered being presumably aboard this craft. Uh, he couldn't see the, these figures or whoever was the occupants. He had the sense they were short, uh, but they were giving him these weird tests that involved telekinesis. They had this kind of box-like contraption floating in front of him and told him he had to move it with his mind and figure out how to move it. The whole trick, the answer to the question was, you have to move the box inside out. And he saw a bunch of other students from that school on board the UFO. Uh, they did not remember. He doesn't really go into that. It's a brief report from, I believe, MUFON or New Fork. So the, I wasn't able to interview the witness. That is really interesting, though, because I mean, uh, you know, I don't want to cut into your time on the show, but you know, with my own experience when I was young. But maybe on after the Paracast, we'll we can cover a little bit of it, and you can give me some idea what you think and how it compares. Because I mean, you're describing stuff that I'm going, yeah, okay, well. I uh all right. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds familiar, huh? Uh this uh with I'm thinking okay, well why should it only happen to me? I mean, okay. I can't be the only one in the world, so I guess it happens to other people too. This is really cool that we are talking about these cases and bringing them out. Yeah, this sort of I've certainly heard this in other cases, particularly involving children being taught this sort of thing. And uh, it didn't stop there. After that test, they gave him another test where they were kind of throwing these, what he perceived as firebrands, sticks of fire, kind of, at him. And he had to sort of push them away with his mind. Use the force, Luke. <laughs> and it was a bizarre experience, but yeah, it's something I've heard before. And there are other cases. There's one case involving a lady who had a series of encounters over a period of years at her school. She says lots of students were being taken. UFOs were landing out there in the Walnut Grove behind the school, and regularly these gray ETs would sort of put on a screen memory and come into the playground pretending to be little children and talk to the kids. And this ET would sit next to her and teach her stuff about mathematics and stuff she didn't understand. And a few times it's like, come with us now, you should come with us. And she's like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to go. 
and apparently other kids did, did remember this. They had to close down that part of the, the school. They forbid the kids to go to the Walnut Grove. Uh, there was an, some sort of weird event where kids got injured and uh, they had to call officials. Uh, so she's still trying to piece together what happened there, but she remembers multiple experiences over a period of years, starting from kindergarten all the way through fourth grade. Wow. I mean, it's hard to think that if something like that is actually going on, that there isn't some definite intent to study our behavior over time. Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. Youth schools are definitely a UFO attractor. We know of other areas that are like this, uh, like, say, mines, copper mines, iron mines, gold mines. Those Military are, bases. Right. Uh, yeah, reservoirs. And, like a key key points of our civilization and schools are are a major part of our socialization they're they're they are the reason that we think the way that we do mostly exactly yeah so there's definitely an agenda there for sure but i wonder sometimes here if they want to see what's happening at the schools how many times do they have to do the same thing before they've accomplished their purpose I can see, you know, checking out nuclear power plants, you know, power plants, regular power. We can see a reason there to check into our development scientifically. But schools every single day around the world or something like that, there are plenty of sightings. But we worry about the repetition here unless ET is just sending their students over and they're learning how to do reconnaissance on other planets and they pick Earth. Why did they pick Earth? I have no idea. In fact, we don't know about anything of UFO motives unless they tell us. And even if they tell us, it could be a lie. More to come with Gene Randall and Preston. You're in The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items. And entails t-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast jumbo tote bag, all sorts of t-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store.theparacast.com, stop by, and take a shopping tour. When you have a pain in the neck, a real pain in the neck, back, shoulder, or legs, you now have two convenient choices to get fast relief without taking another pill. Because now, Sunny Bay heating wraps and pillows are available at both Amazon and Walmart. Yes, see Sunny Bay's four and a half to five star customer reviews on Amazon.com or Walmart.com. Our microwavable heat wraps, heatable neck pillows, and extra large body wraps are designed better for perfect 
support where and when you need it. Even while driving, Sunny Bay Wraps will not burn and stay balanced to provide soothing hot or cold therapy to help treat temporary or chronic pain. And the best part, Sunny Bay quality products start at under $20. Join thousands of happy customers and see why Sunny Bay products have a lifetime 100% positive rating on both Amazon and Etsy. It's easy. Click Amazon or Walmart and search today for Sunny Bay. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. See, here's the other point, forgetting about General Order 1, the prime directive, whatever we say about UFOs. If they are, as you say, visitors from other worlds, number one, if they're alien, how would we even understand their motives? They may be totally different from anything we'd understand. And number two, if and when they communicate with people, would they be telling the truth or just engaging in some kind of psychological experiment at our expense? Yeah, well, I mean, it's a mystery for sure. I still think the best theory we have is extraterrestrial. It's hard for me to get away from that theory because, I mean, look at us. If they're, if they're not extraterrestrials, where does that leave us? How about I mean, another time? How about time travelers? You could definitely march out a number of cases that support that theory. And the ETs, particularly the Greys, have said that on a number of occasions. That, oh, yeah, we're, we, we used to look just like you, or we are from your future. Yeah, I've heard that a number of times. Okay, Can't so if we're going to listen to ET, if they imply they're from some other planet, why not listen to ET when they imply we're from some other time? And I guess you could look at human evolution in the far future when we do fewer physical activities and we improve the power of our minds and therefore you have the big heads and the small bodies right well i mean it's entirely possible i think it's a mistake to lump all these guys together uh, i think that they probably do come from other planets but they're interdimensional as well as are we if you really want to get into it i mean we have a soul a dream body an astral body I don't know. I mean, well, okay, it, it makes perfect I, sense, really. I mean, when we say ET, we're just talking about off the planet somewhere. I mean, another planet in the future is that's still ET. It's no longer. It's not ours. It's in a completely different timeline. It's a completely separate thing, you know. Or even if it's in another universe, it's that's still ET. You know, unless it comes from somewhere on, oh, this brings up a question. You're one of our experts on underwater UFOs. Now, have there been any cases where students have seen UFOs coming up out of the water? I haven't found any. It wouldn't surprise me a bit. But no, I don't know of any cases like that. So I couldn't really speak to that. Uh, but there are a lot of cases where these objects hover very low or, or land. Uh, but no, as far as I know, none are coming out of the water next to schools. So I or if they're on a field that. trip or they're on boats or something, you know, like. Yeah, school buses have been targeted in a few cases. There was one really kind of dramatic case of that up in Canada near the Yukon area where a, a school bus driver complained about this UFO that was kept appearing on her route. It got to be so bad that she asked to change routes. And it worked for about two, three weeks, at which point the UFO started showing up again. And this time it came very close. 
and actually came and hovered right in front of the school bus to the point where she could see humanoid figures inside of it. And following that real close incident, it never came back again. But I don't, I don't know why I kept following the school bus over and over again for a period of about three or four months. Wow. What year was that, roughly? Uh, I'd have to look that up, but I believe that was 70s or back so. in the 70s. Yeah. yeah, there was a lot going on back in the 70s. See, again, if it was today, every kid has a cell phone and they'd be having it like right up there and it'd be on YouTube in like five minutes, you know? So it seems like they know that now, the aliens I'm talking about here, and they're taking steps to be more elusive. Because the better we've got at detecting them, the better they have to be at at being elusive, which implies that they want to affect the way that we think and behave and what to believe from behind the scenes. Well, that that case I mentioned was 1976, so that fits in. But I've got modern cases. There was a case on Catalina Island involving a Boy Scout troop. And a lot of witnesses, there were adults there. And I know of three instances where people had cell phones and tried to use them as cameras. And in each case, uh, the battery went down to zero. And these were charged batteries. So there's... Oh, yeah, the right, of course. Back yeah, <laughs> right. See, whenever we, we figure out something, then they find a way to adapt. Because nobody's going to carry around like an, you know, an old Zenit film camera that you have to crank by hand anymore that weighs about five pounds and takes film pictures. You know, except maybe the odd photography student or something. There are some really remarkable photographs out there which do appear to be genuine. You know, the Rex Heflin photographs, uh, the Trent photographs from uh, McMinnville, Oregon. These are great photographic cases which have never been debunked. But in these cases, there's every appearance that these objects are posing and know they're going to be photographed. Uh, I don't know. We get into the realm of speculation, and I hate to do that because soon you're down the rabbit hole. Yeah, but that's half the fun, too. I mean, you know, we know what we're dealing with here, and we're all responsible enough. Part of the fun of dealing with all of these cases is trying to imagine what they might mean. If we don't apply our imagination and try to figure out how to make sense of it, then we're not really going to get anywhere with it. And like Gene, I I think we can try to extrapolate and probably be pretty good at extrapolating based on their behavior. If they're studying our behavior, you know, we can study theirs. And psychology and logic, it doesn't really matter how intelligent you are. It still all adds up to be the same thing. They could be 10,000 years ahead of us, but it still adds up to the same thing. Two and two is still four. You know, behavior creates ways of thinking, right? Or it doesn't really create ways of thinking. It reveals ways of thinking. Yeah, some cases are so bizarre. I mean, like the Lowell Elementary School case. This was on April 29th, 1964. Literally, like, I think it was four days after the Lani Zamora landing, which was about, you know, not far away from there, like, gosh, 80 miles or so. And uh, what happened was the main witness is Sharon Stahl. She's a 10-year-old girl. Uh, Her sister was there, her younger sister, Robin, and a bunch of other students on the playground saw this egg-shaped object. It was pretty high up there at first, but it came lower and lower and lower and started kind of doing this weird bouncing yo-yo type movement, uh, which we do hear sometimes, sort of a pendulum-like movement. And the younger sister, Robin, became scared and she ran away when this thing started to get real low. 
Whereas Sharon looked at it and was fascinated and just kind of watched this thing until suddenly it took off. She goes back into her classroom and starts to feel funny. She does not feel well. Her face is real hot. She goes to see the nurse and the nurse is like, oh my God, you know, you've, your face is burned. She went to the doctor and she was diagnosed with first degree burns on her face around her eyes in particular. The doctor said it couldn't be sunburn. Sharon herself said, well, I wasn't even facing the sun when I looked at this thing. The sun was behind me. So apparently it wasn't sunburn. It wasn't super severe, but it was bad enough where she had to use cream and wear sunglasses, couldn't look at bright light, was unable to read for some time after this. Then something really weird happened. This is in the days following this incident. She had experienced a rapid period of accelerated growth. She grew about a foot. Wow, that's pretty interesting. Weird, right? I mean, there are cases where people have been struck by beam or plants in particular, and they've had accelerated growth. People, not so much, uh, but it certainly happened in her case and caused quite a furor. The whole incident made the newspapers uh, more than once. The police chief talked about it and said, you know, stay away from UFOs. They may be dangerous. Uh, Project Blue Book looked into it. They declared it a hoax uh, without actually doing any investigation. At that point, Blue Book was not a legitimate research organization. It was certainly, according to Hynek, who was the guy, uh, it was much more interested in prosaic cases, cases with obvious conventional explanations. And any case that was good, they would try to sort of debunk the witness. Uh, so they weren't interested in this case and declared it a hoax without even looking into it really at all. And which is still amazing for them because the, like you say, they were really their own skeptics and they still ended up with something like a 22 or something higher percent of unknown cases that they couldn't figure out. That's that 701 really cases. That's the infamous 701, the infamous 701. But we have other things to talk about, not 701 commercials. Some people think we have a lot. Just a few. More to come with Preston, Gene, and Randall. You're in the Paracast. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Hi, I'm Adam Barada author of the book Gold is a Better Way. It became a national bestseller. It's now become a movement. My member site went live one year ago, and since that time, gold is up $250. It's outperforming the highest flying stock market in history by 15%. And for the first time, I'm opening up my live gold summit to non-members. This is a $1,500 ticket for free. 
Join me and my over 5,000 members via live stream on August 14th and learn the secrets to the next gold boom. The event is for investors with over $100,000. If that's you, text the words Gold Summit to 49776. That's the words Gold Summit to 49776. Get your $1,500 ticket for free for our August 14th live event now. Text Gold Summit to 49776 and join the movement. Text the words Gold Summit to 49776. That's the words Gold Summit to 49776. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of slingbow. A new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. Hey everyone, Proactive MD has an incredible offer for our radio listeners only. Stay tuned for our exclusive offer that includes a free charcoal pore cleansing brush and free shipping. Proactive MD with prescription strength adapalene can heal and prevent future breakouts. Today, for just $19.95, we're offering listeners the three-piece Proactive MD system with free shipping, plus a free gift, the new charcoal pore cleansing brush. Get this exclusive offer by calling now, 1-800-583-8662, or go to Proactive.com and enter promo code radio you heard right proactive md plus free shipping and a free gift the new charcoal pore cleansing brush you'll get all this for just $19.95 and their 60-day money-back guarantee you're guaranteed to get clear and stay clear or you get your money back call now 1-800-583-8662 that's 1-800-583-8662 or go to proactive.com and enter promo code radio again go to proactive.com and enter promo code radio this is George Dory from Coast to Coast AM and History Channel's Ancient Aliens, we support the amazing energy, nutrition, and skincare products from Jeunesse. Jeunesse products are designed by leading doctors in their field with natural ingredients and even stem cell technology. These products help your body perform and look better. Shop Jeunesse at GCNLife.com or call 1-844-443-6637. GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Well, the other thing here is we know Project Blue Book shuttered in 1969. Rumors of ongoing investigations, of course, the Stuff going on now with the Pentagon UFO study and the naval gun camera photos and everything. Looking at all this, Preston, do you think that this is just par for the course or is something brewing in terms of UFO disclosure? Um, I think we are going to see UFO disclosure. Certainly, we're trending towards that. And like you said, the UFOs could just appear over a major city. The Phoenix lights were to happen again. I mean, all bets are off. We have enough cell phones now, I think we, we would be done. I don't know how this is all going to roll out, but I feel like we do have the craft. We do have the bodies. I think there's enough evidence, enough whistleblowers to say that this is, in fact, a real phenomena, and we have the hardware to prove it, and we're not seeing it. 
what we're getting now is this some movement after years of no movement at all where they're releasing some footage and allowing pilots to report their sightings and this sort of thing but it's very slow it's very drip by drip and uh, i feel like there's so many secrets that our government is holding right now that they're doing disclosure because their hand is being forced uh there's a lot of pressure on all sides and they don't start disclosing they're gonna people are going to lose faith in government completely they're going to lose control of the subject <laughs> what do you think i i think there's plenty of people who've already passed that point preston i mean okay we're talking about uh you know the message of nuclear war and you know this is really apropos because like i'm actually it wasn't that long ago that i just released my first music video and it was all about the environment and an eco-apocalypse and the one i'm working on now is about a, a nuclear apocalypse and i'm just hearing that trump is deciding he wants to pull out of the nuclear control arms treaty with russia you know sure. and, and that the, the defcon is it like as high as it's been since the cuban missile crisis and nobody knows this nobody seems to care there's just like oh well you know fukushima is a daily reality what's a few you know nukes coming down on us or whatever yeah there was an interesting clip where trump was interviewed by tucker carlson about the ufo subject and trump kind of bounced back and forth from skeptic to believer and was pretty non-committal uh, but discussed the possibility certainly of there being crashed ufos and pretty much said that yeah there are pilots out there who believe this stuff um, i don't know if he's going to be our disclosure president or not but uh he's a if he a sees one maybe maybe if it happens to him you know one flies along air force one or something and says hey wake up you know they, then that might do the trick because that's what they need these guys you know russia and, the, and america we can't do it ourselves but maybe the aliens if they get out there and say hey look here we are like play nice and re-sign your nuclear non-proliferation <laughs> you know right someone's going to disclose i don't know if it's going to be the u.s but ufos are not going to go away there's no sign of that. I think what we're seeing is a slow and steady escalation where these things are coming closer and closer. And there's these regular waves like Phoenix Lights, but certainly not just Phoenix Lights. There's Gulf Breeze, there's you know, the Hudson Valley wave, the Belgian wave. I could go on and on with these regular waves of sightings. And we're a little bit overdue. Feels like we haven't had one since, gosh, Stevensville was a big event. I feel like we're, we're gonna have another one of these coming up. And uh, it's going to break into the mainstream. But the problem now, though, is our own technology is so good now that we can either make something that kind of looks the same or is some sort of an illusion that looks just like it. Like we can make, you know, Michael Jackson appear to be on stage with Frank Sinatra if we want to now. So how are we going to convince anybody that they're actually real unless the aliens themselves actually come down and say okay we're here actually do the landing or better yet they could just broadcast from space somewhere they don't need to come down and risk themselves or anything else they could do it easily from a safe distance from our world and let everybody know they're here why don't they yeah i think we have a little bit of a catch-22 i think the ets don't want to officially announce their presence until we're a more unified world and the disclosure movement really takes place whereas disclosure is not going to take place unless the ufos you know force the hand i don't know i mean it's definitely i think the whole disclosure movement is 
one of the forefronts of UFO research right now in the area where we're probably going to see big changes. Uh, but I just think we're going to have more waves of sightings. The evidence that UFOs are here is just building and building and building. But then we had like Redfern who was saying, well, the Russians were using it back in the days of the contactees as a, as a political tool to sort of steer social change. So like, how do we know that that's not the same thing going on again, that it's, you know, when our own governments can use it now to their advantage to pull some kind of psyops operation where it looks like it's the aliens coming down and we don't know the difference. How are we supposed to know it's really them? Anyway? Yeah. Yeah. False flag thing. And this is something that has been brought up a number of times by various researchers Certainly a possibility. Uh, let's not forget that some of these ETs, presumably if that's what we're talking about here, look just like us, the Nordic, the human-looking type. So what's to stop you know, a military official who has this technology from parading around as an ET and doing a landing on the White House lawn? So yeah, we ha- we're going to have to be very careful about this. I don't think the public is going to care one bit about footage coming from the Air Force or a piece of metal. No, these uh, things need um, to land. I mean, we, they, we need a mothership tour. We, we, you know, something where, what's the movie where they, the wind came down in Africa somewhere and it was disabled and they be, ended up becoming like a, a second-class society on Earth. You know, something like that where there's just no denying it anymore, no matter how it happens. Yeah, until we see the alien bodies and the crash, the craft itself, I don't think the public is going to care. They will not look into this until you know it becomes undeniable. And a film and an Air Force testimony and a piece of metal is not going to do it. We need to see the alien bodies. And once we see that, then, then all bets are off. We know this is a real phenomenon. There's the craft. There are the bodies. We already have this. Yeah, District 9, that's what I was thinking of. You've probably seen that one, right? The District oh, yeah. 9 movie? Yeah, yeah. the subject is one of the most popular in film, by the way. Yeah, um, in video games, it's like very- we're all ready for it. Okay, like okay, aliens. Like if you're listening, we're all okay. <laughs> Come on down with you know you're not going to frighten us all off anymore, and there's not going to be mass panic in the streets. It's like so long as you don't get in the way of people on the golf course when you land, you're going to be fine. <laughs> Come on down, you know. Yeah, like I said. The younger generation, this is normal for them. They grew up with the term UFOs being there all the time. So it's nothing new to them. It's always been in video games. And it's always been in movies. It's a very popular part of culture uh, today. You know what's happening today? A couple of announcements. Preston Dennett talking about those schoolyard UFOs. Hmm. In fact, I think of something interesting. We'll get to that in the next segment. Gene Preston Randall, you're in The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Fellow patriots, my name is Todd Savage, founder of BlackRifleRealEstate.com. Like you, I was a prisoner of the alt-left sanctuary state until one day I chose to lead my family to freedom. Today we live on a sustainable 20-acre homestead where we shoot, hunt, garden, and homeschool our children without the tyranny of the nanny state looking over us. If you're ready to flee the city to the freedom of Idaho or Montana, 
Our Black Rifle Real Estate team is here to help. Go to BlackRifleRealEstate.com. That's BlackRifleRealEstate.com. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. USA Radio News with Chris Barnes. A lawyer for many of the victims of convicted sex offender and financier Jeffrey Epstein says Epstein's suicide means he took the easy way out. We wanted Jeffrey Epstein to face justice. We wanted that day when he would be held accountable. My clients felt that that's when the healing could truly begin, and now they've been deprived of that. That's attorney Lisa Bloom speaking after Epstein was found dead in his New York City prison cell earlier Saturday morning. President Trump saying the U.S. will reciprocate after several nations, including Germany, Japan, and Canada, issued travel warnings following a series of deadly mass shootings in the U.S. The president saying under his leadership, the U.S. is, quote, a very reciprocal nation, and it will do to others what they've done to us. This is USA Radio News. There's no question you need omega-3s. But which form should you take? Fish oil or krill oil? Scientists have debated this for years. Luckily, there's a new solution to satisfy everyone. It's called Krill Omega 50 Plus. It combines ultra-pure fish oil and joint-soothing krill oil together in just one tiny pill. It's so powerful, it can promote the health of your heart and your arteries. And if that wasn't enough, it can also boost your joint comfort in just days. We're so sure Krill Omega Omega 50 Plus will work for you. We'll even send you a free bottle to put to the test. The debate is over. It's not fish oil or krill oil. It's both. And now it's free. Just pay $4.95 for shipping and claim your free bottle. Call now. 1-800-399-6392. 1-800-399-6392. That's 1-800-399-6392. Extendivite really works. Just listen to what Dr. Joe has to say. Hypertension runs in my family, unfortunately. I started having problems a number of years ago, and I had heard the commercials a number of times, and I personally do not like the idea of being on medication. (laughs) Even though I'm a physician, you would think, you know, that's our thing, but we just don't like it. So I I figured, you know, I'll start the product, and I did, and I got to tell you, it does help. By the grace of God and that product, you know, my labs come back really good all the time, right on the money. I used to always have like cold toes in the winter time and I used to love going down to Florida for my medical conferences. But since I've been taking the product regularly, I don't have that problem anymore. You got a great product there, Don, and I just wanted to tell you how appreciative I am. Thank you so much. To order, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822 or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extend Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast.
thinking here, you know, schoolyard bullies could always threaten their victims. I'm going to bring the UFOs down. So watch yourself. <laughs> Don't get in my face. I'm friends with the aliens, man. No, really, that should be the little nerd guy that's always getting picked on and then befriends the aliens and gets even with the bullies. That's how that should go. That's funny in the movie Shazam. That kind of sort of happened where this young guy says that he is a friend of the superhero and nobody believes him. Then why didn't they at the school? Of course, they don't know that a fellow student, Billy Batson, is Shazam. He comes in there with a birthday cake, the superhero, and then they have to believe him. Well, they don't really, the subject would be perfect for Spielberg or someone who loves, you know, you know how he likes to get the kids in the movies and stuff like that. This would make an awesome documentary series or docudrama series or something like that. I'd love to see a series about this done by somebody who really has that kind of vision for portraying, you know, the wonderment of children and, and alongside alien visitation. It'd be so cool. Yeah, I still think the subject has got a lot to offer for film certainly and we haven't had really the ultimate alien abduction movie there's been a number of them out there but none that are like fully accurate you know people have tackled roswell or tried but it's, the whole story has never been told yeah i think there's all kinds of fertile ground here for filmmakers for sure Oh, for sure. I mean, you've got 100 cases here that they could get started with right away. I mean, I'd love to see this like as a series or something on Netflix or something like that. You know, maybe you should get in touch with Bryce Zabel or something and see if he wants to film it, because it would be really cool. It could be so interesting. Yeah, I'd like to travel to all of these schools and see what evidence we can get for each of these cases, uh, because a lot of them are relying on very few witnesses. Some know the Westall case. Shane Hurd, he's the kind of the go-to guy. He did a documentary on it. He's interviewed, gosh, I think it's well over 100 people. And I know Randall Nickerson is putting together a film about the Rua Zimbabwe incident. And he's also interviewed over 100 people. Oh, yeah, yeah. You can see some pretty good documentaries on some of these on, you know, just right on the YouTube, just, you know, straight up documentaries. But, uh, you know, I was thinking something more along, okay, Yes, I'm guilty. I'm thinking entertainment here. Uh, <laughs> you know, like when I said Zabel, I think he was Dark Skies, right, Gene? Dark and Skies, did, that's Bryce Zabel, definitely. Yeah, he, I mean, he did a really good job at that. And uh, you, you can imagine dramatizing some of this. If it has some good acting and directing going on, it would be really cool. Well, remember here, he is working on a feature involving Stanton Friedman. Right. He was mentioning yeah. it during his last appearance on the show. And speaking of that, of course, we have the Project Blue Book series, which is Robert Zemeckis, by the way, yeah. who is the producer there. And that's the one where we have a fictionalized sci-fi version of the life of Dr. J. Allen Hynek, in which Dr. Hynek is presented as an action hero. Mm, kind of, sort of. Yeah, but it's still for fun. But anyhow, I, I guess we're getting a little off track here. Sorry, Preston. I just think it would be really cool to see something like your book made into a series like that. What's the weirdest case you've ever run across in this? I mean, because we all love that. Yeah, I mean, the Lowell Elementary School case with the, you know, Sharon still growing up. But that's definitely weird. Yeah. Um, another weird kind of subset of cases occurred in Malaysia. This occurred in over a period of a couple of years in the early 1970s, where a bunch of schools had these visitations uh, with tiny miniature little UFOs. Uh, an early case 
began when they, a student was missing and they began a search and searched around, found him outside the school in the brush. And he was brought back inside. He was dazed. He had an injury on his leg, a little wound there. And he said, this tiny little UFO landed and outstepped these, you know, inches high, you know, a foot high, maybe <gasps> figures, six of them all in little jumpsuits. And he ran and tried to grab one and it whipped out this little sort of laser gun type thing and shot him on the leg. It's like, I right saw there. a twilight zone of that. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, this is such a crazy, awesome subject. Yeah. The, yeah. That kid was not the only one who saw this though. Following that, a bunch of other students saw that. And there was another school, same thing. It landed on the playground. Little figures got out. The teacher saw it as well. <laughs> so weird. I mean, some of the times these are figures and UFOs described in ways that you very rarely hear. You know, there have been a number of reports of very small UFOs in conjunction with larger ones. It's almost like they're little probe craft or something like that. You know, it makes you wonder if if the real entities behind the craft are the little humanoid figures or not, or are they just some sort of an avatar for the craft itself, if you know what I'm saying. I mean, these aliens, they, they're just avatars. They're not actually beings themselves. They're just the interface between whatever that craft is and human beings. Yeah, like an arm reaching out or who knows. I mean, we might not even be able to conceive of it, but some people have said Exactly. Like an avatar. An avatar is a perfect thing. Like you could even compare it to like the movie, right? Where you've got some sort of a, a, a shell of existence that interfaces with the rest of the world, right? But the real intelligence behind it is the ship itself. Like if you look at the cover of your book, which is kind of cool, by the way, you know, you've got this silvery shimmering object in the back that is the real mystery. And then you've got these little alien guys kind of talking to the kids, right? They're the interface between the aliens and or between the kids and the ship itself. Right. Which would explain why almost universally when it comes to ETs or entities, they're described as humanoid with eyes, nose, mouth, arms, legs, head. So what's that? I mean, why do they all look so much like us? Doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but we're kind of stuck with these stories. And a number of people have described the UFOs as they felt were alive themselves. Yeah, like people can uh, have often thought as if they're in contact or like you said earlier, that they've been, they're being watched and that there's some kind of an actual connection between the craft and the observer. And it's not just necessarily these beings that come out of them, you know, that, that it's actually influencing what this craft itself is doing. Well, who knows? I mean, I guess it could be the aliens are controlling the craft. Who knows? But I don't, I don't know for sure. How does it explain little tiny miniature ones and all the very different kinds then? It seems to me more that we have as some semblance of a craft of some kind and then there's this uh, way that the that it interfaces with people through the use of whether it's some kind of humanoid in tinfoil like clothing or something like that, some crazy looking thing. And there's so many different kinds of aliens. Yeah, I mean, look at the Rua Zimbabwe case. Uh, a bunch of the students described the ETs as having long black hair. You don't often hear that. Uh, one, one was described as bald and very looking very much like a gray, but the other, no, was described as being very having a dark skin or a dark jumpsuit and long black hair like a hippie. 
Well, maybe they are rock and roll singers, these ETs. Why not? Uh, I don't know. I've never heard of anyone going on board a UFO and hearing music. Uh, but you know, people have described them as being aesthetically pleasing with you know pastel colors and no artwork on the walls. I've never heard that. <laughs> but doesn't uh, it seem sometimes that the UFOs are play acting for our benefit? They yeah. appear in different ways to different people. And that makes you wonder about what's going on. Are there many, many different types of UFOs really busy visiting Earthlings, abducting Earthlings, hanging out? different races, different models, or is there a subjective factor where something roughly the same is being seen by different people in different ways, depending on what the stimulus is? And what is that stimulus? That's, of course, the core of the mystery and things we can talk about forever and forever in a day. But no, we've got Preston Dennett, and we're looking at that schoolyard UFO encounters. And that's just something that presents an interesting focus of where sightings begin for some people who have regular paranormal encounters. More to come with Gene Randall and Preston. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same. DreamHost wins best of awards year after year. You get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low-cost plans put your sites on high-performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer? Go to technightowl.com host. Once again, that's technightowl.com host. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Most of you know that heart disease is the number one silent killer in the U.S. What if I told you for just $54.95 a month you could fight against heart disease naturally? At Heart and Body Extract, we've been helping thousands of people get back to a healthier heart. Don't just take my word for it. Check out all of the success stories at hbextract.com. Or to order, call 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. hbextract.com. Don't risk it when you can take charge of it. Would you like to get back that full head of hair from years past? Now, there is Reveal. Beverly Hills celebrity dermatologist Dr. Nathan Newman took nearly a decade to develop Reveal from natural botanicals to return to a full body head of hair. Reveal for men and women with a 30-day money-back guarantee at GCNLife.com or toll-free 844-443-6637. 844-443-6637. Reveal at GCNLife.com. 
The Hebo Tea Club's original pure Pouty Arco Super Tea comes from the only tree in the world that fungus does not grow on. So it naturally has antifungal, antiviral, antibacterial, anti-infection, anti-inflammation, and anti-parasite properties. But maybe more importantly, the Hebo Tea Club's original pure Pouty Arco Super Tea builds corpuscles in the blood, which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop, and cancer happens to die in oxygen. The tea is great for healthy people and can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. Tahibo Tea Club's original pure Pau de Arco Super Tea is only $34.95 plus shipping. Order now at ShopSuperTea.com or call 818-984-6100. That's ShopSuperTea.com or call 818-984-6100. ShopSuperTea.com. Policies issued by American General Life Insurance Company, Houston, Texas. Not available in all states. For details, visit AIGdirect.com. Do you have a family? Would you like to help make sure they'll be taken care of if anything were to happen to you? If you answered yes, you probably need life insurance. Now, do you think life insurance is expensive? If you answered yes to that, too, you definitely need to give AIG Direct a call. We could find you a quarter of a million dollar policy for just $14 a month, which means you could save hundreds of dollars a year. Call us now for a free, no obligation quote. 1-800-919-5435. Since 1995, we've helped millions of people find out if they could save up to 70% on their term life insurance. See how affordably we can help you protect your family. Call AIG Direct now for your free quote. 1-800-919-5435. You could save up to 70%. That's 1-800-919-5435. Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. The people who see UFOs, are they chosen? I think in some cases, yeah. A lot of these kids who have seen these schoolyard encounters, well, they're in large groups. And generally, that's their one and only encounter. But that's not always the case. There was one guy, a case in Georgia, uh, from Leonard Stringfield, a great researcher. He in- ended up interviewing this kid. How it all began was... The- Kid came home from school one day after a bake sale, you know, a fundraising event, and told his parents he had seen a UFO. His parents didn't believe him. He's like, no, it's after me. I'm really scared. And they didn't believe him. So he ends up withdrawing $500 from his bank account, leaves a note on the table, says, I'm leaving. The UFOs are after me. So they had to call the police. It was a big to-do. They ended up finding him at Atlanta airport. They contacted Leonard Stringfield, who got the whole story out of him. It turned out a year earlier, this is in 1974, he was on his playground at his high school when a UFO showed up, came very low. He felt it was coming for him, uh, frightened him pretty badly. And that night, he had a visitation with these kind of pale-skinned, bald humanoids, which said, don't be afraid, we won't hurt you, but you need to come with us. Following that, I mean, yeah, so apparently he's having experiences. Some of the kids in the Rua Zimbabwe case ended up having experiences following that event, but most didn't. 
That's really interesting. That actually reminds me of that what's that Nicolas Cage movie, I think Knowing, where the aliens come down and make some sort of contact with the kids and stuff and prior to the end of the world. I'm not sure if you've seen that, but that's what happens. Yeah, I did see that movie. Pretty interesting. I think that that's precisely what's happening here. Is there, I do think there's an agenda. I, and I think it's probably more than just saying, you know, we're here because it's such a persistent thing that they're doing. These cases, yeah, they began in 1950, but they haven't stopped. It's a regular case like, you know, a widely viewed case pretty much every year. One of the things that, that we can extrapolate out of this, okay, so, and sort of here's an example, is that, okay, we've got very, very large UFOs being reported, like going way back to the beginning of the show when you mentioned the JAL case, and uh, that got you interested in the first place. We're talking about very large ships. Then we've got these other accounts of these very small ones, even the size of toys. Well, what that seems to indicate is that whatever means these contraptions use for power to levitate, whatever it is, it can't be all that intense. Like we're not talking about we're putting the power of an atomic bomb inside of something the size of a baseball that can float around. I mean, maybe these things don't use much power at all. Maybe that's just like a nine volt battery could do it. We're just missing the secret, just some little ingredient on how these things are able to do what they do. I don't think that we have to put in massive amounts of power. Yeah, I, it's really hard to say. Where they're coming from, we don't know. We don't know how they're powered. We know so little about what's going on. And we're still really at the beginning of research, even though we've been dealing with this on a heavy-duty level for, gosh, since 1947 at least. Well, yeah. I mean, they talk about the Alcubierre drive and all of that and how, well, okay, we've got the power requirements down to something you know, less than that of a small star. Well, okay. That's still a lot more power than you think you would need if you've got a little tiny UFO that's the size of a toy or, you know, say a, a football or softball or something like that. They can't be using that much power. It can't be needed. I think these people are looking in the wrong direction when they think that you need a nuclear power plants worth of power to create whatever these things do. Yeah, it's interesting. There's a number of cases where you know UFOs are definitely attracted to rocket launches. We've seen that in, you know, it's White Sands, and China Lake, you know, the Saturn rocket down Seal Beach, all of these have attracted UFOs. Uh, there are a number of cases where people have shot off toy rockets. There was a case in upstate New York where the father shot off little toy rockets, and that attracted UFOs. And there's one schoolyard case like that as well, and I believe it's Montana or perhaps South Dakota, where they were having a student rocket fair. Following it is this UFO showed up. So they're clearly interested in our, in our technology, at least. How about cases where afterwards the military or the government has showed up? Yes, it's very interesting because uh, it doesn't happen a whole lot. But boy, when it does, great cases, the Crestview Elementary School case in 1967 in Opalaka, Florida. Yeah, very young children saw a number of UFOs, one apparently landed behind the school and it was hovering there. Well, the Air Force showed up right away while these craft were still there, came into the school, questioned the students, questioned the teachers, and shut down the school. And wow. Sent, sent the children home early. <laughs> Several of the students said they were let out, you know, because they could walk home or ride bikes. Others had to be more special handling involving the school buses. But those who could, you know, walk out were allowed to leave. The UFOs were still there, 
hovering over the school. And one kid gets home. He's like, well, his mother is pretty upset. She's like, why are you home so early? And he's like, well, UFO landed next to the school. She calls up the school. And the teacher's like, well, I'm really not <laughs> supposed to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, talk about believing your child, right? At first, you know, what is a parent supposed to think when they hear that, right? Right. And then when they phone the school and get, well, the Air Force is here, and yes, it's going on, that would be a day you probably wouldn't forget as a parent, I would think. Right. And with the Westall case in Melbourne, Australia, you know, after 300 kids saw this, the military showed up immediately, as did the media, for that matter. Uh, the police, uh, there was a huge official response. The headmaster calls a special assembly and tells all the students that they didn't see what they thought they saw, that there's no such thing as UFOs, and you are not to talk about this. And if anyone does talk about it, they will get detention. A number of students were given detention because they had already talked to the media, uh, which is in no way fair. Yeah, there was an immediate clampdown on that. There was a few articles published in local newspapers, but it just faded away out of the public view for years and years. And even today, researchers can't find any official documentation that the military was there. And there were also planes flying around these craft. There's just no documentation of that either. Well, what they don't seem to have is the neuralizer then. They don't just show up and flash everybody in the gymnasium. Okay, now go about your business. You didn't see what you thought you saw. Although, like you were saying, I guess there were some people that are having amnesia, which is kind of weird. They did that in one case in Missouri. A lady was abducted out of the gymnasium during a school slumber party. There was 50 high school students. There was a time-stopping incident or a missing time incident. She later went under hypnosis and recalled Grays coming into the school, taking her and four other students. It was crowded. You know, there were girls everywhere. Pulls them out of the school into a flying saucer that's landed right next to the school. Yeah, it's an amazing case. That's all she really recalls. And it was all under hypnosis. But she was basically abducted from the gymnasium while there was over 50 students there, all of who were switched off. Preston, tell our listeners if they want to know more about the things you do, where do they go? Yeah, I do have a website. If you Google my name, it should take you right there. The actual address is PrestonDennett.Weebly. Dot com. I got all my books there, excerpts. You can contact me through my website if you have a story to share. I always love hearing from people or a question or a comment or whatever. Yeah. Sounds great to me. We uh, can be found on Twitter. Look for the Powercast. Look for two Powercast fan clubs, community groups, whatever they are on Facebook. And we're working that over. We'll get that fixed. By the way, Preston will be back on this weekend's After the Powercast. After the Powercast special show offered strictly to subscribers to the Powercast Plus. For more information, go to plus.thepowercast.com, plus.thepowercast.com. Prices begin at just $1.49. And to quote or crib the words from a certain magazine that's no longer going to be published, our price for a week, a dollar forty-nine cheap. I like that. You know, I'll patent it, but I can't. Somebody use it already. We also get a version of the show, the Paracast, free of network ads. This show, free of the network ads, and with better quality audio, higher bit rate. What more can I say? For more information about the Paracast Plus. Go to plus.thepowercast.com, plus.thepowercast.com. 
Preston Dennett, you have so many stories. We can't wait to hear some more cases that you've investigated. Thanks for joining us on the PowerCast. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Featuring Gene Steinberg is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in the Paracast.